<laughs> wonderful, wonderful. If you got your Bibles, we're going to Matthew chapter 25 today. You can get ready. Because I realize sometimes I surprise you guys. You're like, oh, wait, where's Matthew 25? So go ahead, get, get ready, go to Matthew 25. I promise it'll be coming up in about 10, 15 minutes. We'll jump into it. But that way you're at least prepared and know what's going on. I like to help you guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh. So we've been in this series, Lost. And I'm really excited about this. And I feel like it's been changing my heart. Is anyone with me? This has been an incredibly challenging series. We had the last series was Hello, My Name Is, where we learned about the names of God, and that just like shattered my world. And then this one has given me such practical challenges. Last week we talked about to be humble or humility. Did anyone have a hard time with that? It's challenging to be humble. Challenging to be humble. Not self-deprecating and not self-seeking. What a beautiful balance that is knowing that all of these commands lead to life. And that's the whole point of this series is that it helps us find our way. That's why we may be lost. Have you lost your way as we lost sight of his commands? Have we lost our way as we have lost sight of his commands? That was what was on my heart in the beginning in the planning of this series is that sometimes we find ourselves wandering. Can I get amen? Sometimes we don't know where we're going. Sometimes we feel aimless. Sometimes we feel like we don't know what the heck is going on. And sometimes I just think it's, it, this might sound overly simple, but it's because we're just not listening and doing. Is that overly simple? Yeah. But look at what it says in John chapter 10. You can put this up here. My sheep listen to my voice. Jesus is called the good shepherd. My sheep listen to my voice. So they listen. I know them and they follow me. They listen and do. And what is the result of that? I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. You'll never be defeated as you listen and you follow. And I think sometimes we've lost sight of that. And through listening and obeying, we, through listening and obeying Christ, not only do we find life, not only are we saved, not only do we not perish, but it's also an expression of love to Christ. I say this every week we get up here. Love languages. Y'all have taken the test. Some of y'all like acts of service. Some of y'all like personal touch. I'm a words of affirmation person. Tell me I'm great and I'm all like happy about my life, you know? Thank you. No, seriously, you know what that does to me? That just gave me like a little jolt. Yeah, you know, I'm great. Yeah, I believe it, you know? And this is our love language to him. This is how we express our love to him. To love him is this. To love Christ is this. You can put this up here. This is love for God to keep his commands. We hear that word commands. No, no. I don't want to be told what to do. I'm my own boss. I don't like this. Nope. Because every time we've been told to do something, it's so funny. I just had this, uh, this circumstance this morning. Warren is so funny. Every day, he, bro, you know you got to brush your teeth. And he fights it every time. Every time. It's so funny. And they're not burdensome. It's like, bro, it's like literally a minute and a half of your life. We have fun. I splash you with water in the sink. You always giggle endlessly. You know this is going to be a good thing, yet you fight me and resist me on this command to brush your teeth. And not only that, I'm helping you out, bro. So that way, those people working with you and kids, man, they don't push you away because you got some stink breath. I'm helping you out. It gives you life. Just get in the bathroom so we can brush your teeth. He resists it. Oh. We do the same thing, church. Am I right? We do the same thing. We do the same thing. His commands, his commands, we think that they're burdensome, but that's not the truth. They actually give us life. His commands are not burdensome. They're actually what gives us life. And so we've been talking for forgiveness. We talked about forgiveness being a command. Has anyone tried it and has it brought life into your walk? Yeah. We talked about honesty. Judge shared an incredible message on honesty. One of the greatest and most difficult challenges. But I know Emily and I have even had more honest conversations. And it brings life. And lastly, last week we had a, a whole week. People went on a mission trip. Where my friends at went on a mission trip, right? You humbled yourself and it brought you life. Come on now, right? You humbled yourself. Yeah. Hey, Dad, hey. You're a handsome man. Look at that. 
Yeah, Brother Judd, where is that? Is that Chris there? Yeah, buddy. Whoa, hey. Jason and Landon, Landon, awesome. Yeah, keep going. We had, some, we had an amazing time. Brother Aaron, hey, he's a young man who's just on fire going for it 100%. I love it. I love it. Eric and Josh, yep, a couple more. Yep. Hey, Tim, look at you flexing on him. Oh. Hey, that one made me cry. I didn't let anyone see it, though, you know. Gonna be a tough man, yeah. Josh, hey, not only can he play keys, he's up there getting some shingles out. I love it. Yeah, Brother Tyler. Mm. It was a powerful week. We practiced humility. And I can tell you, and I, I can speak pretty confidently for everyone down there, that as you humbled yourself, you actually found life. You actually found life. And so you can put this back up there, Mike. His commands are not burdensome. His commands give us life. Amen, church. Just do it. Just do it. I promise you, like Warren with the, just brush your teeth, bro. It'll give you life. If anyone obeys his word, love for God is made truly complete in them. I love that. In other words, as you obey him, you actually find greater and greater and greater love for him. It's not burdensome. It doesn't weigh you down. No, it actually gives you life, and it gives you more love for him. And this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. What a big challenge. That seems nearly impossible. But thank God there's grace for the journey. And thank God he's walking with us and empowering us to do everything that he commands us to do. Amen, church? We said it the first week. He wouldn't command you to cut the lawn without giving you a lawnmower, right? You can do it. You can follow these commands. And he shared these commands, these directions. And I, the word that originally came to my heart when we started this series was virtue, the habitual capacity to act in a way that reinforces and reinvigorates your life for Christ. He shares these with us. And so the challenge for you and for me is to find them. They're lost. Maybe you lost them because you just never found them in the first place. Maybe you haven't read the word as much as you need to. Maybe you're intentionally ignoring them. Anyone with me on that? Mm-hmm. Put to death the old self. Well, I kind of love the old self. Yeah, I'm being serious. Maybe we ignore them. Maybe we put off the challenge. Ah, oh, that's a challenge for a different day. We can just put it off. So church... They're lost, and we need to find these commands. Y'all with me today? And so today, today, the command is to work. To work. You and I are commanded to work. God has prepared the way for you to do an incredible work. Your life is going to be work. Wait, Nick, I thought that Jesus promised that this life is going to be easy. Sure. But it is going to be work. Look at what it says in, in Ephesians chapter 2. For work God's handiwork. In other words, God created you. Created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. That's what you're created to do. Good works. We like the good part. We don't necessarily like the works part. Is anyone else with me and Jason here? Come on now. We like the good part. We don't like the work part. I want to do good, amazing things. Tell me the last time you saw someone who's done good, amazing things without doing any work. You ever see anyone who's done that? No. They've done incredible amounts of work, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. He's known you're going to do it, and he created you to do it and prepared the way for you to do it. Christ has prepared you for all of the heavenly work ahead of you. He's prepared you for this. Church, I need to know if y'all are awake today. Are y'all okay? Okay. Thank you. Because I know I'm about to preach today. I was just receiving some prayer from our prayer team, and I'm like, hey, I'm not holding, I'm not dropping the gloves today. I'm going to be swinging today. Are you okay with that? Serious. And so we're going to have a hard conversation because I need to challenge us as a community. And let me preface this message with this statement right here. I am not asking you to work so that core church gets something out of it. I am asking you to work so that you walk in the life that God designed for you. And it is great. And it is glorious. And it will bring you life. And it will change you from the inside out. And so this is not a selfish invitation so that way we can do some cool things for core church and elevate our brand and our name. No. I'm encouraging you to work so that you can step into everything that God has for you ahead of your life. Amen. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. 
Someone say sidelines. I feel like there's a little bit too much of that. A little bit too much of that. I got to, church, can I be truthful with you today? Sometimes I see people, and I know we go through different seasons. I know work can be a lot. I know that there can be everything going on. There's whirlwinds and storms, and life gets chaotic and crazy. But I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I see sometimes it burdens me. I, I look around this room, and I've also been in other churches, and it's been the same everywhere I go, which is untapped potential. Absolute golden people that they just can't step into. And so it has this feeling where it feels like 90% of the work is done by 10% of the people. Please don't sit here and say, well, he's the pastor guy and he thinks he doesn't see what I do. No, I see what you do. I know. I know. I know what you do. And I appreciate everything that each and every person does. But this is a call to step up. This is a call to go for it. That there's a great mission at hand, and it's enough. You've been in row four for too long. Now it's time to step up and start doing. There's a great work ahead of you. God has prepared you to do it. It's now time to step up and start doing it. I, um... I, I got to tell you that, like, again, I've been in church since I was 13, so about 15 years. And I've, I've witnessed people my entire duration of my, my Christ-following life not serve. No, seriously, 15 years of sitting in row eight, not doing anything. Sorry, I have to be a little bit confrontational today. And I'm not trying to do less work. I just know that there's a great work to, ahead of us, ahead of the church. And we need as many hands as possible to do this work. Amen. And I got to tell you that this is not anything new. It's not like all of us, oh, core church has this problem. No, 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 no. This has gone back for years and years and years. The greatest leader of all time, the one who changed the entire world, was dealing with this same thing. Jesus. Someone say Jesus. He did. Look at what he says. Jesus went through all of the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every. Someone say every. Hey, watch those words. Every. He heals every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then, look at what he said to his disciples. The harvest is plentiful. In other words, there's a great work to do. I'm not a farmer, but I can tell you something that if there's like a lot of wheat around, it can be pretty overwhelming when it's just you the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few so this is not just a core church problem this is a the church problem Jesus himself experienced this we have a big mission we have a great work we have to go and proclaim the gospel we need to go rebuild houses we need to go and feed the poor we need to go and provide for those women who are about to have children that don't have anything. We need to step up as a church and do something. Put our money where our mouth is. Now is time for the work. And it cannot be done by a few workers. Amen. Mm. And so this is my prayer for our church. To send out workers into his harvest field. Again, if you've been here. If you've been part of this message. We've been a church for nearly three years now. If you've been a part of this message, it's now time to step up. It's now time to go and get to work. Amen? I know it's a hard, I know it's a hard, uh, <laughs> it's hard to be like, yeah, that's good, pastor. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's hard. I know. I know I'm challenging something here. But it's time. It's time. It's time to serve over there. Give your life to the next generation. Watch what happens. I know it's massively inconvenient to take a week out of your life to leave your children. I was literally, people didn't see it on the trip. I was crying every day because I missed Warren and Kiki. It's a, and my wife. <laughs> and my wife, and my wife. Six years of marriage, you learn. You know. <laughs> yeah. It's really, 
it's really hard to go take a, a week out of your life, you got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. And so it's the same state. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so I have a challenge for us, Core Church. Imagine what we could accomplish with many hands. Someone say many hands. Imagine what we could accomplish. We fixed two houses. We reached two families. Imagine reaching eight. Imagine reaching 20. Imagine changing a whole town. What you could do with many hands. Now. The harvest is plentiful. Down there, when you go down to West Virginia, oh, it's plentiful. There's problems. They're impoverished. What that means is that they, they don't have a lot of money. Economy isn't booming down there. A lot of people are stepping into uh, addictions and, and have problems with drug and alcoholism. And what you'll see down there, this is really, really typical. You'll see grandparents raising grandchildren because their parents are drug addicted and in jail for theft. And so there's 70-year-olds who have no money and no means of making money raising six-year-olds. Am I crazy, Rich? No, that's all over there. So imagine what a room of 100 people can do because a room of 25 people did great things this past week. Imagine what a room of 100 people could do. Imagine what a room of 1,000 people could do. Oh, the harvest is plentiful. Someone say plentiful. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Imagine what we could accomplish with many hands. So I have a question for you to consider today. Again, you've been sitting here on the, you've been sitting here in church. You've been a part of church. You know what, what Emily and I's story is. You know what we go through. You know our heart is a church. You've been a part of this. You've been reading your word. You've been jumping in and awesome, awesome things have been happening. Now the question is, what excuses do we make to sit on the sidelines? What excuses do we make to sit on the sidelines? Serious. Big question. Big question. I I I love like um we have a we have a core team that really pours out their heart and 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 their efforts and one person I got to brag on is Todd right here. The dude the the dude prepares everything for this to be excellent pours out his life and leadership of others, goes above and beyond to reach people, has a full-time job, wonderful wife and kid, goes for it 100%, is faithful in and out of season, even when he's tired. Church, even when he was sick, church, even when he was sick and scared that bad things were going to happen, he served. So I'm not trying to brag on Todd, but what excuses are we making to sit on the sidelines? Oh, I work full time. Yes. Oh, I'm not feeling. I'm not feeling well. Yeah. Oh, I got two kids. Young. Yeah. Serious. Serious. And I, I give that type of tense question because, again, I got to reiterate the strength of of what it looks like to work and to do a good work. Amen, church. You got to do it. And through all of the seasons, God has equipped you and empowered you to do everything that you can excellently. Can we all thank Todd for his faithful service? <laughs> Serious. He's poured it out. He's one of my good friends. Good, good, good friends. Amazing man. And there's a great reward, is there not? <laughs> it's worth it. We always say it's worth it. It's worth it. It's really worth it. It's worth it. And so I want to give you some insight from the words of Jesus. He gives us insight into the consequence of both the laborious. Oh, what a word, Pastor. Hey, you did it. <laughs> the laborious and the lazy. He gives us insight into the consequences. I, I, oftentimes when we hear that word consequences, we only think that's bad. No, it's actually just the, the following thing, the thing that comes next, okay? And so there are great consequences for the laborious, those who work. And there are, ooh, at the end of this story, you're going to be like, I don't want to be lazy. So now you can go to your books. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. You had 15 minutes to get yourselves ready. If you ain't there, that's on you. Good luck. You'll figure it out. 
Matthew chapter 25. This is in verse 14. And Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. Here's what the kingdom of God is like. Here's what it's like. Let me give you some insight into what you don't see yet. Here is the kingdom of God. And so he would constantly talk in parables so that we could relate to it and understand what is happening. And so many of us have received great things. And I got to tell you that there is work when you step into the kingdom of God. We don't just get saved and say, yep, that's it. No, we have a great work ahead of us. Amen, church? And so here it is. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. That man is Christ entrusting his servants, us, with wealth. Other translations of this and other, other um, in, the, in the Gospels, they'll call it the parable of the talents. Money, okay? So he entrusted great wealth to him, to them. To one, he gave five bags. Someone say five. To another, he gave two. Someone say two. To another, he gave one. Someone say one. Oh, boy. Each according to his ability. That's interesting. That's interesting. God knows what he can give you and won't give you more than you can handle or less than what you can handle. He gives you exactly what he means to give you. Then he went on his journey... The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work. Someone say money to work. Isn't that interesting? So we're going to talk about this from a physical work perspective, the job that God has entrusted you and I to do. But not only that, but let's talk about it from a financial perspective and talking about this fact that anyone, anything that you have received can be used for the Lord. Did you know that? Anything that you've been received by God, anything that you have received from Him can be put to work. That house that God gave you, you can be hospitable and welcome people into a loving home. Y'all get that? That marriage, that wonderful spouse that you have the opportunity to walk with, you can put that to good work and show the good news to the rest of the world. That job that resources you, You can put that money to work and be generous and go and change people forever and ever. Not only being generous, but church, y'all should be investing in making your money and your wealth grow. We don't talk about that enough in the church. I had a friend tell me once, and uh, and, uh, this is an unrefined thought, but it talks literally about putting money to work. Hear me out, church. I'm not saying that this is necessarily true, but are sometimes are we digging a hole and burying our wealth by putting it into a savings account as opposed to investing it and growing it? It's just a thought. Not saying it's the truth. It's just a thought. Anything that you've received can be put to a good work. Anything that you've received can be put to a good work. And so this man who has five bags of gold grows it and receives five more. He did a great amount of work. He invested well. And so also, someone say also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Um, I think I skipped something, Mike. I I think I skipped something uh, about the second man, the one who had received two bags. Essentially, I wanted to say this about the one who received two bags. He didn't let comparison get in the way of his fervency. Do you know that? So many times, so many times, we, uh, oh, I remember where it's at, Mike. I'm jumping ahead. See, this is the preacher's problem. You can put this up here. Don't judge the man with the one who dug a hole, please. Do not judge this man who dug a hole and put it underground. Because we've all done this in some capacity, right? We've all done this in some capacity. You know that there has been times where you have felt a call and a pull to do something and you said, nope, not today. Uh Uh-uh. We'll wait for the right season to do that. We'll make sure that everything is in order so that way I can step into that. No, no, no. Don't judge this, man. We all have done this to some capacity. The great thing that we need to do is learn from this, okay? Don't judge him. I've been there. I've buried my one bag of gold at times. 
After a long time, the story goes on. The master, go ahead, you can put this up here. The master of those servants returned, and he settled the accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought to him the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me. God entrusted you too. You entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, someone say it with me. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. I pray at the end of time that you hear those same exact words. That with whatever you've been entrusted, big or small, that you would say, look, I grew it and I did what, everything I could with it. So that you receive the well done, good and faithful servant. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. And look at what happens whenever you are faithful. (laughs) You've been faithful with few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. I love this. Faithfulness, I put this up here. Faithfulness will always lead to increase. Church, that's a law. It will always lead to increase. It might not lead to five bags of gold increase. But faithfulness will always lead to increase. The work that you do for the kingdom will always lead to increase. Amen, church? Don't forget that. Everything that you do will always lead to increase. I'm going to brag on Jason for a minute. The first first time he came on the trip, it was 2018, 2017. He He was on the roof working his butt off, leading a team. He wasn't leader yet. And he did it so well. He was faithful with building the roof that the next year we said, wow, this guy's a leader. Let's give him a whole team. And then, wow, not only was he able to crush and lead a whole team, now let's have him lead a huge portion of our trip and tell us where and what houses we should go serve. Every year, Jason has been increasing because he's been faithful with what's been put in his hands. will always, it will always lead to increase. Always. Just be faithful with it. It will always lead to increase. Here's the thing though, and this is the problem with us because we get impatient. Some of us want the much without working with the little. I cannot tell you, oh, I'm going to come after the church for this. I cannot tell you how many times people don't want to greet at the front door. If you aren't willing to do that, I'm going to be honest, you can't have it. You can't. You can't. Just being serious. We want the much without working with the little. I'm being, and here's the thing. It's not Nick Miller holding it over you. I'm just telling you, like, God's just going to shut doors if you're not willing to work with the little. But he's going to open doors wide as you're faithful with the little. Promise you. It's not Nick Miller's decision. I'm just telling you. He does what he does. It's crazy. So we want the much without working with the little. It happens all the time. I fall in that same thing, too. I fall in that same thing, too. So faithfulness, I got to tell you again, to reiterate, faithfulness will always lead to increase. The the story goes on. Now we talk about the man with two bags of gold. Now I'm done jumping ahead and being all scramble-minded, okay? The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, say it with me. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. I got to tell you, and I got to speak from this perspective for this guy with two. He did not allow comparison to impact the fervency of his work. I wrestle with this all the time. And I got to tell myself to give it 100% all the time. Can I tell you the, the plight or the struggle of being a pastor? Can I tell you? Can I be honest with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, if it's almost like you're discredited in the pastor world and I hate that we do this to each other you're discredited in the pastor world if you don't have a church of a minimum of 300 then you're just a normal Joe Schmo no I cast that ideology out and I'm going to be faithful whether there's just Andrew here or not whether this room is filled or it's just brother Andrew here I'm going to preach this same message 
I'm going to give it the same fervency. I'm going to wake up, pumped up, ready to go and fight the enemy. Just as much if this front row is filled and we have to even open up the doors and these, uh, these windows. I don't know what we got to do. Or if it's just one. I'm going to do the same thing. Same thing. I don't care. We started an evening service. How many people at it? Yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. But there's, it's, it's a, you know, we got to work. We got some work to do. I'll give it the same fervency, the same expectation. Going for it 100%. I'm not going to let two bags impact my fervency, church. I pray you don't either. I pray you don't either. We can look at other people's giftings, say they got it or not. That's really cool. Some people are just supernaturally gifted. Some people just got it, whatever it is. Doesn't matter. You go 100%. You go 100%. Many of us don't work because we're not given the five, church. Well, I don't have that gifting, so I'll just sit on the sidelines. Many of us don't work because we're not given the five. Am I speaking to anyone in this place? Because church, I know I'm speaking to myself too. I wasn't given the Stephen Furtick thing. Ooh. That's right. Come on now. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to go for it. But many of us don't work because we weren't given the five. That dude had every reason to look at his his co-worker, his other servant, and say, you got five. Oh, oh well. You can be faithful with two. Amen? Don't, don't stop the fervent race before you. Don't stop the work just because you've been given to. Be faithful. Watch the increase. Amen? I want the increase for you. Please be faithful. It keeps going. The man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. Anyone ever been afraid to serve? Yeah. I was afraid. I was tired. I didn't know what I was doing. I don't feel equipped. And went out and hid your gold in the ground. So here's what belongs to you. I wrote this in my notes. Excuse, excuse, excuse. Excuse, excuse, excuse. <laughs> Never underestimate our ability to justify our actions. Yeah. One of the greatest seeds of wisdom I ever received. Never underestimate your ability to justify our actions. And so then we get into this place. Well, I know I should serve. I, I know I should serve. But Wendy, you're asking me to do greeting. I guess I'll do it. Maybe once a quarter, if the moon is full, and if I didn't have a 40-hour work week, but 37-hour work week is okay. I'll let you know about it. And if anything, I'll let you know I'm planning center at 11:17 p.m. on a Saturday. Really? That's it. That's it. You can hear this message and be like, oh, yeah, I'll give it. Once a quarter and bop, 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 I'm telling you, and I've done it too. We come up with excuse, excuse, excuse. Can I tell you, every year, every year the mission trip hits, and it's a lot of work. And I'm like, I just want to rest and relax. I do so much as it is. No, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Do I look like a roofer to you? No. No. But I get up there and pretend like I know what I'm doing and I swing something and I pose for the frame, you know? But never underestimate our ability to justify our actions. I'm telling you, we can walk into church. One of the basic, biggest excuses we make is, ah, they already got it. Oh, they already got it. Oh, that room's full of, of volunteers. They already got it. Excuse, 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 excuse. That's what this dude with one said. Not only that, but he mentioned the nature of, of his master. I heard, I heard through the grapevine that you're a tough dude. I don't know. I, just, I was just kind of nervous. Excuse, 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 excuse. We do this all the time. Then we dig and we bury the one, the one bag of gold. And can I show you the consequence now? 
to the two and to the five person, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. To this person, he said, you wicked, lazy servant. This is Jesus' words, not mine. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should know well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, at least I'd have some interest back. Can I tell you some interest? I, I had fresh revelation reading this story. Do you know what that means? He's saying, you should have done something. Even if you're not perfect at the work, you could have done something. Okay, so you're not perfect at kids, men. At least you tried teaching them something. Okay, so you're not perfect at greeting. Okay, well, at least you tried it. I can't tell you how many times people get nervous to speak up on stage. Brother Andrew, at least you went for it today. You prayed. At least you did something. He did a great job at it. Okay, can I tell you what I get from this? Christ reveals to us that there is grace for the mistakes made in the midst of work. Sometimes we get paralyzed by perfection. No, you're allowed to make a mistake. You're allowed to miss it. At least you tried. At least we got a little bit of change back. You gave a little bit of effort. You know what's really funny? Uh, I talked to the construction leads, and on this trip, they work with people who have no idea how to put roofing in. And it takes more time. It actually takes more time than just letting Chris Corrales have the, just let the dude do his job. It actually takes more time. But there's grace for at least trying. You're up there giving of your life, yes. You at least try. You have to at least try something. Okay, so you have this one bag. You might not be good at this. Great, try it. Don't just bury it. That's what I, isn't that fresh revelation in this place? Come on now. It's okay to just try it. At least do something with this bag. So you know the result. Look what God does. Look at what the master does. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. That doesn't sound very nice. I have something urgent to tell you. I pray that y'all receive it. Just so you know, God will give the work to another faithful servant if you're not willing to do it. And that sounds okay because at least the job will get done, but really that's what you want the mark of your life to be. So the job will get done. But really? Okay, so we have worship team. Todd can handle everything. But do you, are you sure you just want to give that one bag to Todd and let him handle it? Because you might be missing out on something great. Wendy can handle scheduling everything. She does a great job. Are you, you want to just give her the bag and let her do it? I love when other people preach other than me. Yeah, here, take it. Glad to give it. But God will give the work to another faithful servant if you're not willing to do it. Please do not miss out. Please do not let that one, be, one bag be taken from you and given to someone else. God has an amazing work for you to do, and we can miss it out by just saying, ah, they got it. They got it. Mm. He ends the story with this statement here. For whoever has will be given more. And they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And th wow, Jesus, I pray that this does not happen in this church. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Revelation calls that hell. You see the importance of work, church. You see why we got to talk about this command? You're given a command to work. God has prepared a good work for you. Whether you got the five, the two, or the one, you got to do something. Amen, church? You got to take the work and do something because I don't want each and every person, I don't want any person who hears my voice to be one of those people that's thrown outside into the darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. I pray that no one here will be thrown out when the day comes.
I pray that each and every person in this room would receive well done, good and faithful servant. So today is a great day to consider what type of giftings, what type of talents, what type of resource God has given you and how you can put it to work. Okay, so you might not be Jazz Hands Nick Miller. That's cool. Not everyone needs to be like me to be a faithful steward of what they got. It's really easy to look at the guy with the microphone and say, well, if I'm not like that, I, I can't really do it. No, I've seen faithfulness served in many different ways. What's really funny is my dad, as much as we're alike, he's quite different than I am. Yet he's faithful and he's a servant. He does it in a different way than I do. He takes risks in different ways than I do. He puts his money where his mouth is in different ways than I do. And he is faithful. And so you don't have to look like me to go and be faithful and to do it. You don't have to receive the five or the two or the one. Whatever number it is that you've received, you have been prepared by Christ to do the work set before you. Amen? So we got to step into it. Today is a great day to consider what you have received. I hope you're thinking about it right now. I hope you're thinking about it right now. Today is a great day to consider what you have received. And so here's the question I can imagine us asking. In the midst of all I do, Nick, why should I do more? In the midst of everything I do, why should I do more? And not even this. If you're serving in a high capacity in church, it's really easy to just kind of coast. It's really easy to just kind of coast. Judd could have just been the small group leader guy. No. He pushes. Now he's the pastor of our church. It's really easy for him to coast. It would have been really easy. But now he's got more work. And now it's more weight. Now it's more burdensome. And he keeps going for more and more and more. Why? Why would we do this? John runs his own business. Wife, home to manage, all this type of stuff. Why would he do more and more and more? It doesn't make sense. Unless you see the reward at the end and understand a couple things about work that I think are vital to shaping our mindset and to jumping in. Can I share some things with you, church? Can I show you this? First thing, and Judge shared this two weeks ago in, in Legacy Night. Someone say, stay go. Stay go. Yeah. All of us were created for good work. Do you know that? All of us were created for good work. No one is exempt from that. And not only that, you were created to work. Oh, my goodness. We were created to work before Eve was even created. Work was so vital to our existence before we even had, we men even had our helper. Look at it. Genesis chapter 2. Don't believe me? Look at the sequence of events here. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And then the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So here you are, put in the middle of the garden, men. You're called to work it. Make sure it, it and, and take care of it. Make sure it goes well. And then God was like, hmm, now we need to create woman. This is a good idea. This is a great idea. So before our relationships even formed, we were called to work. That's an irrefutable fact. You were called to work above or before anything else. You and I were called to a good work. I love that. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. And so that's your purpose. And not only that, and I don't have the scripture to share it with you, but essentially this, when we get into heaven, you and I will be working there too. We have jobs. We have assignments. We have things that we're called to do even there. The work doesn't stop just because we get into heaven. Just so you know, the work didn't stop back then in paradise. We were working through our whole existence. Do you all understand that? No one is exempt from that. Second thing is this. We'll be more apt to jump in. We'll be more apt to be faithful with what we have if we understand this, that no work that you do for the kingdom will be in vain. One of the biggest words that I hate in the kingdom is just. Ah, I'm just taking photos. Ah, I'm just opening a door. Ah, I'm just, Mike is doing this, pushing space bar. No, no work that you do for the kingdom will be in vain. None. Ah, I'm just a co-worker. Ah, I just manage finance. Ah, I'm just mom. No, there is no just in the kingdom. I'm telling you that your work is not in vain, church. It's going to have kingdom impact, eternal impact. Amen? Everything you do, 
everything you do. I can tell you firsthand, when you served in kids' ministry and you worked with my son Warren and my daughter Kiki, they have been impacted. You think you're just reading them a story and Warren's running around being goofy, talking about Pokemon and screaming at the top of his lungs, and you go and you get out of that room and you say, did I make any difference? And then you don't see it, but we see it. He goes home and he recites his memory verse. You made an impact. That's the hard part about the kingdom. Not always do you see the fruit. Not always do you see the fruit. But I can tell you from from our family's sake, we see the fruit. Thank you for serving week in and week out. None of the work that you do will be in vain. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the what? The work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. It's not in vain. The resource that you have and the work, the, the stuff that you've given, the giftings that you've given, the time that you've given is not in vain. I'm telling you, church, people have been changed forever and ever. Eternities have been altered. Your faithfulness in church, marriages have been saved and restored. I'm telling you, nothing is in vain. Nothing is in vain. Nothing is in vain. It's not in vain. God will use it for kingdom things. Small or large, one bag or five, it's not in vain. Lastly is this. Everything you do can be kingdom work. Did you know that? So sometimes I forget. Whoa. Sometimes I forget that me investing in my son is actually kingdom work. It feels just like a normal fatherly responsibility. And I forget, whoa, there's actual kingdom stuff behind this. You might just be making a phone call to a relative and checking if they're okay after getting out of the hospital. You think that that might just be a responsible, oh, I should probably do this type of phone call. No, it could actually be a kingdom-altering phone call. Did you know that? You think that it might just be one word of encouragement for a coworker who's breaking down in the cubicle next to you because life has been so overwhelming and they're facing divorce and that one word of encouragement can be kingdom work. You don't understand. Everything you do can be kingdom work, church. Everything. And so often we wander through life, oh, I'm telling you, especially the nine to five, we get so monotonous and we just kind of like coast through it. No, there is kingdom intentionality between and behind every, every interaction that you have and every minute that you spend at work. I'll brag on Mike for a second. Y'all didn't know it, but Mike helped me with uh, the, the landscaping of my house. And it encouraged and it made our home happier. I'm being serious. It made me have more joy in my home. And he's spreading bark and doing his thing, working hard, listening to music. I made him coffee, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. After already working his regular job, he goes and he serves our home. And he made our home have more peace. He made our home happier. Honestly, he gave me more pride in my home. Everything you do can be work for the kingdom. Every single thing. Every single thing could be, do, could be done for the kingdom. And whatever you do, it says in Colossians 3, so simple. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. In other words, glorify him in everything you do. Everything can be brought before Christ and glorified. I'm telling you, every conversation, every bit of sweat, every bit of hard work can be used for the kingdom of God. Even the monotonous little things can be used for the kingdom of God. You're not just watching your kid. You're not just sending them off to school. No, you're building them up as champions for Christ. Every single thing you do, we don't take a moment off from kingdom work. That's the hard thing I wrestle with, is I go and I spend my whole day pouring out to people, pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, that the hard thing I wrestle with is I give my, my family leftovers. And so I challenge myself not to turn off from the kingdom work when I step back into my home. Anyone else wrestle with that too? Your spouse gets leftovers no, that's the greatest work. That's when it turns on. Yeah. Hmm. If we understand that about work. Lastly, I want to say this. This is different than a bonus. Someone say warning. Whoa, warn, warning, warning. Pay attention to this. 
the work you do for your master keeps you from a life of slavery. If you want to be a slave, don't work. Can I prove to you? This isn't a physical sense. I'm talking about, uh, and, and this is a big challenge that I have. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm going to speak it to the men. Uh, you got to work. You got to provide for your home. You have to be the guy. You have to be the guy. You got to be the guy. You got to work. You got to work. There's many people who have been caught in a system where a, a government entity can supply for you. Do you know what happens when you become a borrower? Anyone know? You become a slave. Do you know what happens when you work? You can serve your true master. Let me give you an example. It says this in Proverbs 22. The work you do for your master keeps you from a life of slavery. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. And so when you don't work, and you're caught in a system where other things provide for you, you end up becoming a slave to that person. So when they say, and I'm going to use a, a tough button example, beep, 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 beep. When they say vote a certain way, well, they're putting food on your table. You know what that means? You vote a certain way. The whole union's making this decision. Yep, we push this button here. We vote for this person. Why? Because they'll take your paycheck. You become a slave. You got that loan holding it over your head? Become a slave to that. So you got to work hard to get out of the yoke of slavery. Jesus came to set you free and doesn't want you to walk in slavery, yet we go so easily into this borrow place and put ourselves in slavery without even realizing it. And you've been set free to live free. And that means that you have to work. Because you, if you don't, you will become a slave to the lender. Look at it this way. Not only that, let's paint it the other way. Let's be a little bit more encouraging. Do you want to rule? Then you got to work. For the Lord, our God, will bless you as he's promised you. You shall lend. I want to be the lender. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And you shall rule. Lend, rule, borrow, slave. Do you all see it here, church? This is the warning. You have to work. And I'm going to tell you, especially in an economic climate like this, I know it's going to be really easy for some of us to just kind of sit back. And, and, and I understand there's some situations, disabilities come up, loss of job comes up. I understand. But I'm going to tell you right now, you have to work. You have to work. If you want to walk in the free life that Christ has given you, you got to work. I know that that's a hard topic to really talk about, but you got to work. Can I tell you, can I tell you, and I'm going to summarize what Thessalonians, what Paul says to the church. He says, if you do not work, you do not get your bread. Did you know that? You don't eat. Well, I thought this Jesus thing, I thought everyone loves and got everything. No, no, no. Literally, he says it to the church. He says, no, if you do not work, you do not eat. I was the perfect example of this. I was making tents and preaching the gospel, so that way I didn't have to borrow from any of you. Church, if you, this is the warning, if you do not work, you will be a slave to the wrong master. If you do not work, you will be a slave to the wrong master. Are you all understanding what I'm saying today? Please, please, please get and jump into the work that God has prepared for you. Christ has prepared you for the heavenly work that is ahead of you. He's given you everything you need to do the good work that's on your hands. And whether it's five, someone say five, two, or one, be faithful. Amen, church? I know that as you work, as I work, it will lead to increase, and we will no longer be slaves, but we will be set free to serve him with everything in our heart. And he wouldn't say, he wouldn't tell us to do a good work if he himself didn't do the good work in the first place. Do you think going to the cross was easy work? Any thoughts? Would anyone else like to be beaten and bruised, mocked, made fun of, told that you were a liar, shamed in front of a public place? We get upset if someone speaks bad about us on Facebook. And then while your back is ripped open and there's a crown of thorns on your head, you're called to carry this big block of wood all the way up this hill. Sounds like work. But it was a good work, amen? Amen. 
accomplished good things. So if we can bow our heads in this place. The beautiful thing about salvation is that you couldn't earn it or you couldn't work enough for it. We just talked about the journey up to the hill, that it was a great work. You see, Jesus did everything that needed to be done to set you free and to give you life, to take you out of a life of slavery and to allow you to become everything that you're called to be, to walk with him for the rest of your days. You couldn't earn it. You couldn't work your way to it. He graciously gave it. Yes, he does. And why would he do it? It says in the scriptures, for the joy set before him. That joy set before him, the reason that he would go to the cross is the possibility of you giving your life to him and walking with him for the rest of your days, all the way, even into eternity where he can spend forever with you. And so today, if you're wandering on your own, if you're feeling lost like we've been talking about, I want to tell you that Jesus did all the work that needed to be done to be found. All you simply have to do is follow the scriptures. It says it real plain and clear. It says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and you will be saved. (laughs) Simply put, faith. You have to believe. And so today, if you want to begin that journey with Christ, if you've been lost, if you've been wandering, if you feel like you haven't found your way, if you feel like you don't know what's going on today, I'm here to encourage you that all you simply have to do is believe, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is Lord and Savior and you will begin that beautiful, eternal journey with him from the work that he did on the cross. Does anyone need to make that decision today? Then I want to encourage you to do something bold on the count of three. No one else is looking. In fact, all the believers sitting in this room are praying for you fervently right now. We're not judging you. No, no, no. We're actually lifting you up. If you need to make that decision, go ahead and raise your hand on a count of three as an outward way of saying, I do need this Jesus. I see the work he did for me to set me free, and I want to walk with him for the rest of my days. One, two, if that's you and you need to make that decision, this is the best moment of your life. Three, go ahead and do it. Does anyone need to make that decision in this place? Anyone need to make that decision in this place? The best decision you could ever make. So good. So good. Well, if we can pray for those who made that decision in their hearts, and if you made this decision in your heart, just go ahead and say this from the depths of who you are. Jesus, I see the work that you did for me. You put it all on the line. You came down to earth from heaven, and you went through all of this turmoil to save me. You walked walked in the flesh a perfect life, and you went to the cross and died a death that you did not deserve, rose again so that I may be set free from the power of the enemy. Thank you, Jesus. I turn away from my past, and I walk into everything that you have for me in the future. You are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Lift up a shout of praise for those who made that decision. Yeah. Now, church, on the way in, you receive this, uh, this communion elements. If you guys can go ahead and get prepared. We start with the bread first, right? Thank you, Frank. Uh-oh, my hands are a little bit, you know, slippery. <laughs> So we're talking about work. We can remember the work that he did. Amen. Wow. He put his body on the line for someone like me. He put his body on the line for the whosoever's like all of us. Lived a perfect life endured so much pain, allowed his body to be ripped open unjustly so that our body that was broken may be made whole. What a beautiful work that was. Amen, church? I know it's hard to look at it that way, but he went through a work to save you and me. He took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Can we remember the work, his body being broken? Can we remember the work that he did for you and me? Take and eat the body that was broken for you. And then in the same way, God, his disciples, they were sitting around a table. He was about to go to the cross. And he said, This needs to be spilled for each and every person here, for the whosoever's. 
because a new covenant will come, forgiveness will be given. Life will be found. And this is worth it. You are worth it. So I'm about to do a great work. I'm about to let my blood be spilled upon a cross and I'll pour it out for you. Just remember how greatly, how great it is that you've been forgiven. Will you take and drink the blood that has been spilled for you for the forgiveness of sins? Jesus, thank you for the work that you did on the cross, for the perfect life that you lived here on earth so that you could be the sacrifice that would make me whole and give me life. Thank you for a body that is made whole by your broken body. And thank you for a forgiveness that comes by your perfect blood. God, we thank you and we lift you up. May we remember this day in and day out, what you did for us on the cross. We didn't deserve it. We couldn't earn it. But it was a work that you valued, that you would have put your life on the line. Jesus, I pray. I pray that in the upcoming days, we would remember the work that you did and be inspired to do the same for others, to lay our life down for the lost and to go and do what we have been assigned to do. Thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. You've given me life, all of us life. May we never forget. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Will you all stand with us as we sing?